0: Breaking news! You see, Steve Ballmer uh, stepped down from the Microsoft board.
1: I did, I did. I love him so much, so it's hard for me.
0: I'm kind of happy for him though, because I feel like yeah, he's, he's already he's already got like a big new thing.
1: Yeah, you no, know? he's found he's found his next Windows. You know.
0: Yeah. Did you see the video of him at the the like Clippers yes. opening? Oh, so good. He's going to be oh, such it's a great the best. owner. Clippers fans don't know how good they're going to get it.
1: I mean, this just could have been like this probably what he should have been doing for 20 years.
0: I, I do. I kind of I do kind of feel like that. I do. And I feel like, I mean, you know,
1: yeah. I mean, as a, a...
0: as a Yankees fan, I'm, I'm partial to the bigger than life owner like George Steinbrenner, which is exactly mm-hmm. what Balmer is, except maybe he's maybe a little, a uh, little bit, <laughs> believe it or not, a little bit less angry. <laughs>
1: I mean, the guy knows how to keep his cool though. Have you ever seen the video on YouTube where he's at like a German press conference and somebody throws something at him?
0: Oh, yeah, yeah.
1: And he does he's completely unfazed. Like it doesn't really bother him. Right. You know? And he just like keeps spouting Microsoft propaganda and like it doesn't really matter at all to him that he just got hit in the face by some German. Yeah. It's Yeah.
0: And I can't help but think, too, I mean, number one, he's a com- super competitive guy. I mean, he wants to win. This is a guy, he, he didn't buy the Clippers just to own a team. He wants to win NBA titles. Whereas the old owner, uh, the the dingbat racist guy, Sterling, uh, yeah. for, for decades, the Clippers were like a joke in the NBA. And they only got good in the last few years by, by luck, by a trade that nobody thought was going to be good that turned out to be fantastic for him. Uh, So it's great news for the Clippers fans because he's going to want to win, and I can't help but think that like his tech background is going to make you know sort of as the NBA sort of pushes in that Moneyball direction of uh, looking at stats and metrics that people didn't look at before, and I think that's one reason Mark Cuban's been a good owner for the uh, the Dallas Mavericks that they've been pretty successful.
1: Now I've gotten into this like rapid thing of finding you know there was that thing that he threw a a, threw a chair across a room a couple of years ago.
0: Right, it was like when a, when a, there was like a key employee who he wanted to, he wanted yeah. to keep, and the guy was like, "You know what? I think I'm going to Google." And and right, and the guy's like, "You know what? There's nothing you can say. I'm going to Google." And he like threw a chair. <laughs> right,
1: <laughs> but to your point, like, there's no, you know, this is a passionate, passionate, passionate man.
0: Yeah, and chair throwing has like a nice history in basketball. Bobby Bobby Knight, the old college coach at, at Indiana, used to used to like throwing chairs at referees. Mm. Not sure that'll fly on the court, but. Well, no, I think he's I will be
1: definitely disappoint you for the next hour or whatever we're going to be talking uh, about talking about sports.
0: Because no, we're talking about not... Steve Ballmer's personality.
1: Yeah, yeah. I'm just saying I can't really throw the same. No. You know, curveball, if you will. Is that good?
0: Is that yeah, good? That's perfect.
1: <laughs> Can we edit in some laugh track there?
0: Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> um. And I do think I think it's kind of I, there were rumors that he was not going to be long on the Microsoft board. That you know that the that public relations wise, it's you know it was, it was a orderly yeah. transition, but it it's, it's more like a divorce than a you know a, right. a, a amicable breakup transition.
1: Yeah, which is sad.
0: This, yeah, it uh, kind of is because boy did he have a good run.
1: Yeah, a good run, and you know, I don't let's talk about dedication to a company. I mean, like, you know, that's what we're talking about. This passion—he's he's so passionate about Microsoft. Like, it, it and I, I even, you know, when he had stepped down or when the resignation thing happened, I was like, you know, that's that's a sad thing to lose for a company, which is like the, a CEO that is just that incredibly passionate about about everything that comes out of that company.
0: Yeah, like, he, you know, he was never one of these guys who who was just going to be a CEO of a company and that maybe, you know, someday he would leave and go to Oracle or, you know. No, that was never going to happen. Mm -hmm. He was a Microsoft guy.
1: Yeah. Well, he has, you know, I love this company. It's like, yep, he did. He really, oh, he does. I'm sure he still does. That's what he says in that letter. Did you read the letter he posted on OneDrive?
0: No, I did not.
1: Um i obviously tweeted that he could have used clippy's help to format the letter because the letter is literally like dear satya paragraphs steve like it's like really after all this time you couldn't have just used one of the templates in word um i tweeted the link here but
0: <laughs> well you have been uh super busy this month you're all i guess you're always busy but you're not one of these uh, taken-off-for-August people.
1: No, and uh, guess who? Guess who's getting married right before or right after the iPhone launch or the rumored iPhone launch?
0: Wait, right before or right after?
1: Well, uh, if things go according to rumor and speculation, or if they follow a historical pattern, we will see an announcement on Tuesday.
0: September Joanna will 9th. get
1: married on that Sunday, on the 14th and then an iPhone would probably as historically has happened launch the week after or the week after that i'm assuming the week after yeah
0: i th- yeah usually on a friday so i'm guessing the 19th
1: yeah so i you know i picked a great time to <laughs> to get married
0: are you immediately uh, well congratulations number one but number two are you are you Thank are you immediately leaving on a honeymoon or no it, the honeymoon is scheduled for a different different time
1: Honeymoon is scheduled for the end of October, beginning of November.
0: All right. So your so, iPhone review, in theory, you, your your iPhone review could, uh, your camera pictures could be from the bride's perspective of the wedding. <laughs> that would be kind if, of amazing.
1: Well, yes, but you, uh, the other bride, my my fiance, she will probably murder me if I'm reviewing an iPhone uh, <laughs> during the week of the wedding. <laughs>
0: Yeah, that reminds me. So,
1: of,
0: well, that reminds me of the funniest thing from the summer, which was you were a bridesmaid in in a friend's wedding, and you were mm-hmm. testing the the Android Wear smartwatches. <laughs> and she told you that if you tried to wear it during the wedding, you were out. Right?
1: Total. It totally happened. Like I wore that to the rehearsal dinner the night before, and she was like, "What is that?" And I was like, I, "It's just my it's my new watch. It's it's my new smartphone glued to my to my wrist." And she was like, "If you wear that tomorrow, don't even come." (laughs) And so I, I, you know, yes, I had to stage a little bit of this of the soundbite when she was uh, in her beautiful dress, but uh, that was that was very much a true story.
0: Yeah, but anyway, congratulations. But you're going to go. You'll probably go. You'll you'll still be out for the event, assuming everything. Again, assuming every we talk about it like it's a done deal, but assuming everything happens as as expected, you'll be out for the event and then come back east later in the week. Right
1: yeah yeah, if yes exactly I do exactly. I
0: do think I do think that that is going to happen, that you know that the rumors too. are true, and I mean you know, that be-
1: makes sense, given the timing, but um
0: and it's yeah, funny too, of watching the rest of the industry line up around that because everybody I think Samsung has an event uh or or a phone oh i'm
1: I'm very busy leading up to this wedding
0: <laughs> I'm yeah. very busy, I think that the Samsung One is going to be on the third. It's like every you know do you want to go after or do you want to go before and i think most people are like oh we want Well,
1: Samsung as to- usually does this before cuz IFA out of Berlin is the same is the same time you know right. every year and so they do the note announcement there and you know Sony announces some stuff that i'm not really sure people notice and uh who else does stuff around there sometimes HTC but i guess not really this year um and then Motorola has an event like that Friday or that Thursday before. Uh, it's that's the fourth. So yeah, good times.
0: Yeah, and there's the the added possibility that that this will be the event. And again, this is just speculation, but it could be that coincident with the iPhone, Apple will have their wearable stuff long long rumored, supposedly imminent wearable stuff. If you know, which would probably. Well, I don't know, it, you know, questionable whether that would come out at the same time. Maybe the reviews would be, you know, maybe they'd announce it then and it would come out at a different time, but could be a right. lot of stuff to review.
1: Well, everyone jumped on something you said a couple of weeks ago, right? You, yeah. You, um, and by the way, I didn't really read that as like, that was your inside sources. And I know right, you kind of refuted that. Um,
0: that's because you're not stupid. I mean, yeah, I was cracking I a mean, joke.
1: Yeah, I I would think that was not going to happen at the same event as the iPhone. But that said, I don't. I really don't know much, and I think it's really hard to talk about some of this health kit stuff without talking about that product. But I, again, I don't really know.
0: Yeah, I talked about this a little bit last week, but it's to me it, it was just just a guess trying to crack a joke about what if the, the Moto 270 doesn't come out until after Apple announces their thing. Um,
1: well, it looks like the Moto 270. Will come out before, and it will be close to two hundred and seventy dollars.
0: Yeah, <laughs> I saw that too, and it made me laugh. No, when do they say that the the Moto three hundred and sixty is going to the rumored release date? It's like imminent. It's like a couple like sometime in the next week or so.
1: I think they are holding this event on September. I gotta look through my inbox, but they're in, holding an event in in September in Chicago, I believe. Oh. So that's. Oh, see, I didn't see that. Yeah, and then the then the pricing leaked this weekend on Best Buy right. for two hundred and fifty dollars for the Moto two seventy or three sixty. I'm actually excited about this. I, I mean, I know a lot of people when I put it on at Google I/O were, were people were saying that I was wearing a. Um, what were they saying I was wearing on my on my wrist? Some you might have made a great joke about what I was wearing on my wrist.
0: That's possible. That's I don't remember though.
1: I don't know a monocle or something like that. <laughs> But I mean, you know, it's I think it's the first smartwatch that comes closest to looking like a watch. It definitely is very big. The face is big. And uh, I know there's been some issues about how the the screen isn't really fully a circle, um, but it looks cool. Definitely looks better than the than the two, the LG and the Samsung that I've that I've worn throughout the summer.
0: Yeah, but I still, I concur with your review of the earlier two, though, where it's just highly questionable whether, I mean, and for some people, of course, some people, you know, you can find some people who want everything, you know, any idea under the sun. But the idea of getting a buzz on your wrist every single time you get a notification is to me, it's it sounds like punishment. It It, it is, it does. It, it doesn't appeal to me. And I don't have the type of job uh, and I don't think many people do, where I'm always on on the alert for, like, an emergency. You know, I, right. I, I could totally see how, like, I don't know, somebody who works in a hospital might want to have a watch that, that every single time it buzzes, they really do want to look because it could be a serious emergency. I could see that. Me, I don't need that. And when I've had my pup, my pebble hooked up to my iPhone um, and just moving alerts to my wrist, it, it, it just – feels like I'm punishing myself.
1: Right. And, and, you know, that's one of the things I had spoken to Google about before the review, and then obviously pointed out in the review is that there needs to be deeper customization of that. But even then, you know, you really wonder, do we want to be sort of futzing with that kind of settings type of thing? I mean, even just dealing with notifications on my phone is like, and setting them up and what apps, ping me when they do this or if it's my retweets or it's mentions or if it's email from this account you know that in itself is a is a big task to do so it's easiest for these companies to just say if it hits the front lock screen of your phone then it will hit your wrist yeah but it needs to be deeper than that but they have to do it in a way where it's not really completely frustrating to figure out how to get those things there yeah. Of course, a lot of people – and I would argue that a lot of people who own Android phones don't mind tinkering with that kind of stuff. But I would also say that even then, that, that's overwhelming.
0: Yeah. And it is it is so true, too, that you get a new app and you launch it and you're using this new thing and it's going to be sending you notifications. And it just says, this app would like to send you notifications, allow or disallow. And then your one tab, you say, okay, yes, because I, I want to get these notifications – that's super easy. It's easy to opt in. But then everything after that in terms of fine-tuning, you know, how much and what you get, it just always seems like busy work. Right. And and it what seems like a good idea when you first install the app, it just, just sometimes can be one of those, uh, you know, frog in a slow-boiling pot type thing where at first you don't really notice. And then like a month or two in, you're like, why, why am I getting all these notifications from this app? This is, this is mm-hmm. overkill. My whole right. – uh, My whole lock screen is dominated by these stupid notifications from this one app.
1: Yeah. I mean, I've gotten pretty good about on my iPhone customizing what hits the lock screen. Um, But that was after quite a bit of tweaking and settings stuff. Yeah. Um, But I still, you're right. I get like random alerts from apps I haven't, you know, I once downloaded for testing or something. And it's like, you know, do this. Like brush my teeth. My, I, I reviewed that Bluetooth toothbrush a couple of months ago, and I actually have been still using the toothbrush, but um, I don't always use the app with it, even though I said I was going to in my review. And I, I really do like brushing my teeth with my phone in my hand, but my phone keeps reminding me that I haven't brushed my teeth in like a month, which is like somewhat true. I mean, but...
0: As far as your phone goes. still, it's
1: like, I don't think I told that app that you should be on my lock screen. <laughs>
0: I recommend you brush your teeth at least. I would say at least once before the wedding, you should I, brush your teeth.
1: I mean, at least <laughs> once before the Apple event. Right. Let's, let's let's set priorities here.
0: Uh, I'm going to take a break here and tell everybody about our first sponsor, Lynda.com. L y n d a dot com. Uh, what's Lynda.com? It's an easy and affordable way to help individuals. Teams, whole organizations learn. Uh, They have high-quality professional content, videos that you can instantly stream, thousands of courses, each of them created by experts on software, web development, photography, graphic design, uh, you name it. If it's a creative field, they've got content to help you learn it. Uh, Here's how lynda.com stands out from the crowd. They have fresh content. They're constantly, almost on a daily basis, if not even on a daily basis, uh, adding new courses. They work directly with industry experts and software developers uh, to provide timely training. Often they have new updated material the same day that major new versions of apps uh, hit the market. So uh, a new version of Adobe Lightroom hits. Guess what? Lynda.com probably already has new content already ready to go right there on day one because the, the, their experts have been following along with the beta releases, high quality stuff. This is uh, high quality video, high quality teachers presentations, right? There's nothing like, like the sort of homemade stuff that you see on YouTube courses are broken down into bite-sized pieces. So you can learn at your own pace and learn from start to finish on your own, uh, Tools include stuff you get from lynda.com, include searchable transcripts, you can make playlists, you can get certificates of course completion, which you can publish to something like your LinkedIn profile, if you use LinkedIn uh, as sort of your online resume. You can just show to people, hey, look, here's the stuff that I've learned from lynda.com. They have content from beginner to advanced, all experience levels in all these different fields. And they even have mobile apps. The mobile apps for uh, iPhone, iPad, Android um, let you learn wherever you are. You don't have to be at a computer to do it, to use it. Uh, how much does it cost? Here's the deal: the regular price is one low monthly fee, twenty five bucks a month, and that gives you unlimited access to all of their video tutorials, over a hundred thousand video tutorials. They also have premium plans. You can upgrade to a premium plan. That's like a, you pay like on an annual basis, uh, and you get a lot more. Uh, one of the things you get is you get offline access. You can download videos to your iOS and Android devices and watch them offline. Uh, Premium plan members also get to download project files and you can practice along with the instructor. So where do you go to find out more? Go to lynda.com, Lynda with a Y, slash the talk show. And here's what you get with if you use that code. You get a seven-day free trial, unlimited access to their entire library for a whole week, just to see how good the stuff is. That's how confident lynda.com is that once you see their content, you're going to sign up for more. So my thanks to lynda.com for their continuing support of uh, this show. All right, we're back. Um, One of your recent pieces, um, probably the most recent, I think, was your review of the, I'm going to get the name wrong, the HTC (laughs) One something Mm -hmm. something Mm -hmm. Windows Phone. You can
1: do it. You can do it. It's the HTC. So here it's the HTC one parentheses M8, close parentheses, for Windows. It's not with Windows phone and it's not with Windows phone 8.1. It is for Windows.
0: For Windows.
1: For Windows. So, yes, the review did not include a review of the phone name as somebody. I think Renee Ritchie tweeted that to me, but it should have.
0: The gist of it is it's pretty much the exact same hardware as the it's, HTC One yep. M8 that we know from Android, except yep. it's running Windows Phone. It's got the same size That's exactly screen. right. I'm
1: looking at both of them right now.
0: Right. And it has the same gimmicky... Well, not, I, I shouldn't say gimmicky. It has the same trick with the camera, where there's two cameras, one that's like the really... the What do they call them? Ultra pixels, the one that takes the main picture, mm-hmm. and a second one that's used for some kind of trickery about changing the focal point, focal distance after you've snapped the photo.
1: Exactly. Exactly. It's like the depth of, of it collects depth information and then it sort of layers it and so you can refocus, which it doesn't really work all that well. Um, but yes, exactly. Carbon copy of the Android version just running different software.
0: All right. Um, and I saw you had a little back and forth with, twitter uh on twitter with uh somebody from from HTC about that it was a great review but oh the headline because right. the headline is uh what was the headline the, the another the great phone be... another great phone you probably won't buy
1: yep yep
0: which is um, interesting
1: yeah I mean and that's not because of the hardware I you know I actually said around uh, i pretty much similar thing about the first HTC One, um, the M8 that came out in March, because it was the same situation with the HTC One last year. The Android version of the phone was really, really good, but nobody bought it because instead they listened to the marketing that they saw everywhere from Samsung and they bought Galaxy S5s or S4s or S3s, whatever was out at the time, instead of buying the HTC One. So I think, you know, HTC is sort of Always seems to get caught in the middle of these things where it's like they make really good stuff, but nobody really buys them, whether it's because of the, of the marketing or whatever. But I think that's actually changed a lot with the recent phone. They had a lot more stock than they had the, with the original one. They did a better job of marketing it. The reviews are really good. Um, but obviously for this piece, that headline was really about Windows Phone because, yeah. Nobody has Windows Phone. And I'm really sorry to offend anyone who might be listening to this that has a Windows Phone. When I say nobody, I don't mean nobody in the world. I mean, really, the general public does not have Windows Phone. And for this piece, I don't even know how I sort of came up with the idea, but – um you know, I went to Times Square and I wanted to do the video in Times Square. And then, you know, the column kind of turned into the same thing as the video because I sat in Times Square. We shot for about an hour. We took a break. We sat down and I didn't see one single person with a Windows phone. Well, and you, and, were,
0: you were stopping people.
1: And I was stopping people. I mean, but I honestly couldn't stop that many people because most people have their phones out. So right. most people have iPhones or Android phones out because they're taking photos, they're taking selfies. I mean, it's like, you know, it, it's the best place on earth and also the worst place on earth. And um, so, you know, I really had to kind of find people that weren't holding their iPhones because I didn't want to be like, oh, do you have a Windows phone? When clearly they have an iPhone or they clearly have a Galaxy S5. Or I actually did see a lot of HTC Ones. I saw, you know, all types of phones, but no Windows phones.
0: Interesting. Yeah. And so,
1: you know, this piece was really about – and I I started using the one – I have had the one for about a week. I've, I also have had used the, the Lumia Icon since 8.1 came out. And, you know, the software is really good. I really like the software. And at this point, there's a lot of features there that, you know, you certainly don't miss. You know, I didn't end up missing my iPhone's email apps or all these types of, you know, basic core apps – but you know, so it makes you wonder why don't people have this and of course, it comes down to the app ecosystem, but it's it, you know to me, I think it's a lot more than that, and I talk about that in the column
0: I do think it's very it's complicated and it's it's multifaceted like market share is not it alone it and and the one thing whenever I talk about market share it it people accuse me uh people who are not like big apple fans accuse me of um uh, or and other people who who tend to write about stuff from the Apple perspective of cherry picking the stat that that Apple you know the only ones that matter are the ones where Apple's ahead. So when when if if iOS isn't leading in market share, then we'll pick profit share. And now profits is all that matters. And if it were the other way around, that if it was you know like when the uh, the iPods had a market share lead, then market share mattered. And it's not like the, the mistake that people make is 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 if I say market share is not everything and it's not even the most single most important thing, that doesn't mean that I'm saying market share doesn't matter at all. It does matter, obviously. Um but it's not the only thing. Agreed. But the yeah. big thing I think the big thing is there's like a minimum viable market share. And and You know, if the overall smartphone market is right now somewhere around like eighty percent Android, twelve. This is worldwide. Eighty percent Android, twelve percent iPhone, and two two point five percent Windows Phone. Twelve percent isn't is big enough, and it's so many hundreds of millions of people. That's it's a pretty big market, and two point five may not just may not be enough.
1: Yeah, and I think you know. Right, you're right. This is the global market share. So when you you also have to factor in, and this was something we we're talking about earlier today with with some people in the office, factoring in the lower end of the market and lower cost areas where you look at. You know, the, the you're not looking at the top end of the market and you're not looking at sort of these Halo flagship devices. And that's where, obviously, Android has captured a large part of the market. And that's a place that Microsoft has also said they've intended to go. Um, and so that that's certainly a different look at market share than when you look at either, you know, U.S. or you look at sort of country by country.
0: Yeah. I do think there's also I, – I, I've thought about this so much over the years because I, – and I feel like every market pl- ends up playing out differently, right? There's some similarities between this and the PC wars of the 90s between Mac and Windows and similarities. But, but there's so many other factors are different that it's – there's only loose similarities and, and everything – every market plays out differently. But um, the one thing that I, I do think holds true in just about every category – through the decades is that you somehow have to get early adopters usually have to get early adopters first you've got to get some enthusiasts on board nerds right the people who listen to stuff like this show and and who who like to geek out and and review 29 laptops or something like that you have to get them first, and that's the th- one you know and iOS clearly has that and had it right from day one when people you know those were the people who lined up around the block in two thousand and seven to buy it. Android definitely has that you know there's you know and that's the whole you know Coke versus Pepsi flame wars that you see in the comments on on general purpose tech review sites. I think that's step one of the windows phone problem is that there aren't any of them right yeah. and and I think well, the,
1: there they are there. Um, I just think they, I think it's still a timing thing. Like they might have come along too late. Yeah. Right? Because they, they are, they, those people are there. I've heard from them today. Um, <laughs>
0: <laughs> well, again, and, again, when we say nobody, we don't really mean 0.0. We mean right, right. Right. Practically nobody. Like effectively, right. you can round down to zero.
1: Yeah, you're right. You're right. Um, I, I just, I come back to a lot of it being timing. Um, and I think, you know, and, and Microsoft admits that it was timing, right? Um, yeah. you know, they'll say, well, we actually were, we were had windows phone the idea, but then, you know, Android came out and stole a lot of the the market and partners and et cetera. And I think, you know, part of that is that by now, when we're looking at this five years or six years deep into the smartphone market, now, finally, Microsoft is good enough on the platform level, to be in line with the competition. And at this point, what does that matter, right? It's not necessarily pushing ahead the smartphone in some radical way that I'm going to say to someone, no, you've got to get this phone. Right. And... You know, frankly, like, you know, even I think we're starting to see with iOS and Android as we see these updates coming in the next couple months, like, there's so much feature parity, right? There's so many things that you can get now in one or the other, whether it's different keyboards or it's different notification customization and all of these sorts of things that, you know, people will argue, Oh, I wonder where they got that idea from. You know, we're getting to that point where it's so... It is so reliant on the apps that we have, but there's still nothing that has pushed smartphones so far ahead into the future. And I'm not even sure, I can't even imagine, like, I don't look at my phone and say, I, I mean, I look at my phone and say, these are the things I would want, but they're not necessarily radical ideas.
0: Yeah, it's just refinement, 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 you know. Right, it's like, and it's, it's, it's like
1: refinement a- and and there, there are basic things, but I, I don't think even for basic things I would I would switch to a different platform if it didn't offer everything and more.
0: Yeah. Um, yeah. Somebody else pointed that out at like post um, Google IO. Cause Google IO was after WWDC this year, but you look at the checklist and there's, you know, there's right. 10 or 15 things that you could see starting around 2011 or so that these platforms needed to do to get, to do more of the stuff that it was, everybody wanted to, you know, better notifications and, uh, on iOS, people wanted a, you know third-party keyboards and stuff like that, and you could just see that the two companies, you know, Google and Apple, they just had a different order, mm-hmm. a different priorities of which ones they were going to do first. And eventually, they just you know they both checked off all of them,
1: and yep. some of them yep. you know
0: were first on Android, and some were first on iOS. And we're getting to the point this year where they've sort of gotten to the bottom of that list. Not that. That there's nowhere for these things to improve, but all the big obvious ones from about four or five years ago, they've gotten to.
1: Right. Right. And that you know, that's one of the lines add in this in this piece was like You know, switching to Windows phone at this point is like just getting a comfortable home, your same comfortable home in one that right across the street. That's basically the same thing. There's no real reason to switch at this point. Plus, you're not getting all those extras if those are important to you. If those brand new apps, if those updates to your apps are extremely important to you. There's there's no real reason to leave where you've been so comfortable.
0: Yeah, and I think if you're an enthusiast and you're kind of, you know, the sort of person who likes to get new apps and stuff, you know, follows new right. new new companies and stuff like that. It, Windows Phone has all that stuff. You know, like you you pointed out Instagram, which is a great example where where Instagram was iOS only famously for right. first couple of years and then and then the Android version came out and, you know, it was huge and then it, you know, fueled the billion dollar acquisition by Facebook and eventually there now there is a windows phone version of it but it was way after the, even the android version and even now it still lags because they've added these new the the latest version of instagram has a bunch of new editing features that aren't in the windows phone version
1: right Right, and that's you see that across apps. Like my RDO app, I spent like ten minutes in the car trying to find my top, where I usually go to find you know pop music, and I could not find the playlist in the Windows Phone app. Right. And I'm pretty sure it's not there, but I gave up.
0: And I think you said that there's there's still not a Lyft app
1: for yeah, Windows Phone. Yeah, all of those. Um,
0: and I know what do you call it was was late on Windows Phone uh, Uber. You know, was, yeah, and, right. and if you're the sort of person who wants to use stuff like that, like you've heard about Uber, you're traveling, you know, you're in San Francisco uh, on vacation or business or something like that. And everybody else is using Uber and you can't because you're using Windows phone. It's like right. it, it's just a, a steady drip drop of annoyances of knowing that you're always going to be the last to get stuff like this. And, you know, circa what is it now? It's late. Second half of 2014. By 2015, I'm sure there will be a Lyft app, but then there's going to be something else that's new that's only on iOS. It's only on Android.
1: Totally. And that, and that's the number one reservation I have about the platform. But you know, the funny thing is that I think maybe two years ago, we would have said, well, this is an okay platform. This is an okay phone, regardless for people who have not had a smartphone yet. It's a good yeah. beginner phone. But I think we're at this point, we're in the market where already those people have a phone and they probably have an iPhone. Or they probably have a basic Android phone, and at those this point, those people don't want to switch. Yeah. So that's where I think so much of this was a timing game. Um, and, you know, it's, it's unfortunate for Microsoft. I mean, I'm not going to sit here crying for them, but it's unfortunate that they got to get, got together a really good operating system so late in the game. Yeah. Because there are a lot of things here that I actually really like now. And yes, some of them are, you know, the same as you'd get on others, but, you know, Cortana is a really nice blend of Siri and Google now. I, I like a lot of, the, I like a lot of features that they built into Cortana. I like a lot of things that when it comes to the customizations and the notifications and all the base, you know, base OS stuff. It's just, you know, how much time are you usually spending in that stuff?
0: Yeah, the thing I noticed when I last spent some time with Windows phones was was when I was at the Build Conference back in May. um, Is, and and Windows phone was always better to me than Android in this regard, but the latest, I don't think we had 8.1 yet. Maybe, I forget the version number, but we were playing with phones that had an as-yet-unreleased version of it. Uh, So maybe it was like an early version of 8.1. But the little animations, like stretching when you get to the bottom of a list and the bouncing and stuff like that, is so much nicer than stock Android. It's yep. it's really good. And the frame rates. I mean, just frame rates across the board, it's really, really snappy UI. And it's something that Microsoft has been good at for, for a long time, but yep. it really shows. Um,
1: yeah. Uh, yeah. And I like the keyboard, too. I mean... Um, yeah.
0: I will say that. One thing, whenever I try switching to an Android phone, and this isn't better or worse, this is just habit, but... I find myself really struggling to type because I find the Android keyboard, at least the default one, to be so different. Whereas uh, Windows Phone, it my my iOS typing habits, I, I just instantly was typing as well as I do on an iPhone.
1: It's funny, you know. I we I think we talked about this the last time. I was on my keyboard situation. I have <laughs> I have I have serious keyboard problems, and. I I made the switch to the iPhone keyboard after using Android, a physical QWERTY keyboard on an Android phone for four, three or four years. And now I'm great on the iPhone. And now when I go back to my Moto X Android phone, I'm really bad. So I've been using SwiftKey, which is better. I'm actually really excited. I'm hoping SwiftKey builds a app for iOS 8. Um, but I, I still, I, I still don't think I've found the perfect software keyboard. Um, that said, I'm, I'm just going to go get that new BlackBerry that's in the shape of a square, and I think that'll solve all my problems.
0: <laughs> Let's hold off on Thank that. Thank
1: God that's not being released during my wedding weekend. Thank <laughs> God.
0: Let me take a few moments here and uh, tell everybody about our good friends at Warby Parker. Warby Parker provides boutique-quality, classically-crafted eyewear, revolutionary price points. The company was conceived as an alternative... To the overpriced eyewear that 's available today, prescription eyewear simply should not cost three, four five hundred dollars and and the the whole company is founded on the on the idea why 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 do glasses cost so much? Do they have to and the answer is no, it ends up that the industry is mostly is controlled largely by a few large companies that have kept prices artificially high, reaping huge profits from customers who who have no other options so Warby Parker came into this market a few years ago and and they've turned it upside down. Really popular, more popular than ever before. What are the the main points? Uh, Here's the thing. Number one, eyeglasses should not cost as much as an iPhone. Their prescription glasses start at just 95 bucks, including prescription lenses. They have a titanium collection with metal frames that starts at 145 bucks, also with the prescription lens. They use premium Japanese titanium, uh, French non-rocking screws. All glasses include anti-reflective and anti-glare coating. There's no additional cost because who doesn't want that? Everybody wants that. Of course you want that. Uh, All glasses include a hard case and a cleaning cloth. Really nice case. We've got a couple of them here in the house. Uh, Really, really nice case. It's all high quality. The price is way lower, but you get a really, really quality set of eyeglasses. And they make buying glasses online easy and risk-free. They have a home try-on program. So you go online, you look at their website, find the frames you're interested in. They have some cool features on the website. You can use a webcam, get your picture up there, just get a basic idea of what the frames look like on your face. But then you pick five pairs, and they just ship them to you. Now, they don't have your prescription lenses in them yet. It's like trying them on in a store. But they send five to you. You can try them on at home, get, get your feedback from your friends and family, see what people like. Uh... And you can keep them for five days before you send them back. Get get you know sleep on it, look at them for a couple days, then you send them back. You tell them which one you want, if any. And uh, when you place your order for prescription glasses, they'll get started on them right away, and you'll have them in your hands within ten business days. Um, In my experience, our experience here, uh, usually less. So here's another great feature about Warby. Got to mention it. For every pair of glasses they sell. They distribute another pair of prescription glasses to someone in need around the world. For a lot of people around the world, access to prescription glasses is just out of reach. And Warby Parker is doing great work on a one-for-one basis with the glasses they sell to, uh, to help turn that around. So where do you go to find out more? You need eyeglasses. Here's what you do. Go to warbyparker.com slash the talk show warbyparker.com slash the talk show and you'll get your five try on frames and by using that url slash the talk show you get free three-day shipping on your order send the frames back choose your favorite pairs warby makes it completely risk-free uh with that free shipping three days so my thanks to warby parker and go check them out if you need new glasses What's this that I did I was kind of hoping that would be out by now. We were talking about the the square blackberry. Um, I
1: know. Where is it?
0: As soon Where as I saw it? it, as soon as I saw it, my first thought was, that's interesting. And my second thought was, ooh, I can't wait to talk to Joanna about that. But you <laughs> that, think maybe maybe you're over physical keyboards now? Maybe your habits have finally switched?
1: I mean they had they had to, right? We have to adapt. So I had to adapt. And I'm really fast on my iPhone now. I'm actually okay. really fast on SwiftKey too. If the phone can not be so slow, my, Mo- the, my Moto X is really slow now. Um, but I'm really fast on my iPhone. And I'm excited about the iPhone's predictive text stuff with iOS 8 as well. So, I mean, I can't say that I haven't done a typing test me versus myself on the iPhone, uh, versus an old Blackberry, but that's a good idea.
0: Yeah, but I, I, there's certain parts of user interface design where it's almost more important, or may, not even almost, but it is more important how fast you think you are versus how fast you really are. And if you feel like you're fast enough on the iPhone, that's really all that matters. Even if you found out that like on a stopwatch, you're still not as fast as you were on BlackBerry. Right. So a famous example of this is, uh, I might botch some of the details, but this is like a really old Apple story, like from the 80s. Um, and I think I got the story from Bruce Tog. Well, I'll just call him Tog. Everybody knows Tog, but a human interface design guru. He used to be at Apple, and now he's at uh, the Neiman whatever group. Um, and Apple used to used to test an awful lot of stuff in um, like with cameras in a uh, behind glass, and just test real people doing stuff. And What they found out is that people were way faster. Like, let's say they wanted to print. They'd say, here, make a new document in MacWrite and then go and print it. And when they would tell some of the people to use the mouse and go up to file, pull it down, Mm -hmm. go down to print, and tell other people to use the keyboard shortcuts. Uh, And they found that the mouse was – using the mouse to go up to file, print was faster than using the command P to print or file save in, with the mouse was faster than command S. Um, but then when they asked the users which was faster, it was like almost unanimous that they said using a keyboard shortcut was faster. Because though right. when they first had the research that said, hey, it's always faster to use the menu, they thought about getting rid of all the, the keyboard shortcuts and saying, forget all these keyboard shortcuts. We'll just make the user use the mouse all the time because it's faster. Right. But it felt slower. And the best that they could figure it out is that when you when you use a keyboard shortcut, it's like two parts of your brain at once. There's the first part where you have to remember the um, what it is. Like you know you want to save this document, and then your brain pauses and goes, "All right, it's uh, Command S." You use your use your left thumb, put it on the Command key, and then you hit the S. And then you this do. This
1: isn't it. true now, though.
0: No, well, I, it might be different now because people are so used to computers. Who knows? But the point is, though, that it ends up that people don't remember the time they spend remembering right. the keystroke. It's like that didn't happen, and so the only part that they feel like they remember is the actual using their fingers. There's like a, a blank spot there where you don't remember it. I think. It, I think it might be for a lot of people. Maybe for power users, it's not true. It's be-
1: definitely not the case for me. I mean, it-
0: right. But I think for typical people, it might be, but they still feel better. Well, I guess that's
1: the difference between learned, yeah, learned and whatever, what's the, uh, a learned action and what becomes habit. Yeah. Well, that's not the right word,
0: but you well, know what I'm saying. Yeah, but, like, Command command S is maybe a bad example, because for a lot of us, we don't even think about it. Like, like my friend Michael Lopp, the Ranzo and Post guy, he, he, when he's writing, he just, he writes yeah. a sentence, and then when he's thinking about what to write next, his fingers just do Command S. Hmm. Because, like, you know, in the old days, when computer crashes would just bring down your whole computer,
1: right?
0: you know, you were always one one crash right, right, away right. from losing what you've written. So, there's an, I, I have that habit. I hit I still S. have that
1: habit, but now that i work so much in Google Docs, I guess I've kind of killed that habit.
0: Uh, it's To me, it's an important thing, like on a Mac, any Mac app, even if it's not like a file-based app, if it's like some kind of thing where you just, it's like a library, mm-hmm. you know, type thing, you, you should at least, even if Command S doesn't do anything, don't beep or anything like that when you hit Command S. Even if it isn't necessary, if everything you type gets saved automatically, let me hit Command S anyway, because I feel better. Interesting. But that's. I don't I, think I
1: even do it when I. I'm going to go into Google Docs now.
0: Yeah, I have a horrible command. But Michael Lops is like pathological. Michael Lop does Command S probably like uh, thirty times a minute. He just type, 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 Command S, type, 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 Command S.
1: Hmm. Yeah, I mean. I, so, I'm going to a, I'm gonna have to do a typing test. I'm going to have to do a typing test when this when this new BlackBerry comes out, though. Who knows when that's happening?
0: I do think it's a shame. This is another one of those things where it's like maybe too late, but it's like, man, if only BlackBerry had come out with a phone in that form factor a couple of years ago. Doesn't with, it, it? With software assume,
1: that was decent.
0: Yeah, maybe? I mean that's the big if. Um, yeah. But boy, form factor wise, it really looks to me like, hey, here's somebody who's not just trying to copy the 2007 iPhone.
1: Right. But what, I mean, I, and I know they've made some arguments that the square shape and the aspect ratio of the screen is better for like, I think it's Excel documents. Yeah, like, like really, spreadsheets. like, yeah, like really, that's where you're, we're, I mean, it's, it's right on marketing message for them, I guess. Um, it's better for but, Instagram, <laughs> right. <laughs> right? That's a good point. It's, it, it's a, it's exact square shape for an Instagram. Yeah. I'm sure the camera's going to suck. Yeah, probably. Well, maybe it won't.
0: I, I do really feel like that's places. part of part of the irony of Instagram lagging on Windows phone is that Windows phone as a platform is known for having good cameras.
1: Great cameras. Yeah.
0: Like just yeah. platform wide.
1: I mean, that's actually one of the things that's hard about this HTC is that you can get way better cameras on the Lumias. But I prefer the design of this HTC to the, the Lumia, you know, the Lumia design. Yeah.
0: Yeah. HTC is interesting, you know. I know we're a little all over the map here, but HTC is an interesting company because I've said this for years, and it sort of is. It just goes to show how how again you can. I say design is very important, but it's not. It doesn't mean everything, right? And there's HTC is a great example of a company who I think has every year, year after year, has produced better design phones than Samsung, and and just got just gotten annihilated in the market.
1: From the start, from from the start of even even if you think about when those both of those companies were making the original Windows phones, you know when you think about uh, what was it was it the uh, what was that HTC with the slider? Oh, I uh, remember
0: that, that was a
1: really good phone. Um, oh. The diamond? No, it wasn't the diamond. It was in that same family. Yeah.
0: Um. Well, the thing remember I remember, that? and this this goes back to that that the the sort of transition years when the iphone had the modern smartphone market to itself because android wasn't out yet and microsoft was still on windows mobile you know 2007 2008 2009 um htc tilt yeah htc tilt htc back then was that was a good phone they were by far and away the number one um Windows Mobile handset right. maker. Yeah, I that's what the, I was
1: talking about. I didn't mean Windows Phone. Yeah. Windows Mobile.
0: Right, but they were to Windows Mobile what like Samsung is to to Android. Like,
1: Absolutely, because they made these types of phones. They right. made the good keyboard. They had a stylus that came out. The um, what was the other one after the tilt? I'm, I'm losing my my memory. Was it the the arrive was the Windows Phone? Whatever they made great keyboards on these. Yeah. I think um, this is basically what I'm getting at here: is that right. I really want HTC to make an old slide-out keyboard phone with Windows Phone with apps that I want to use, and I'll be happy.
0: I do think there's, and, and you know, they've used better materials than Samsung. I mean, it's just, you know, the the there's to some degree. I mean, it's not the most important thing. I mean, it's 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 not logical, I guess, to say how good does the phone look when it's not even on before you even know which operating system it is. But for something you carry about with you all day and that you do hold in your hand all the time, it matters, I think. You know, does it feel good in your hand? And HTC's phones feel way better than Samsung's.
1: Oh, yeah. Samsung's are, I mean, I know now last week they announced this one that has a little bit of metal on it.
0: Yeah, just the Um, frame. just The it's almost like they're they're like four years behind. Right. They're, they're sort of like the iPhone 4s and four, you know, with the metal outside, but the back is still plastic.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's uh, Samsung phones feel like. Feel
0: even like the crap. reviews, I because I read all the you know the the reviews of these things. I don't necessarily link to all of them, but uh, even from people who are big fans and you know like a really glowing review of like a new Galaxy phone, it inevitably mentions you know kind of a cheap build quality feel to it
1: i i i don't i i haven't really read glowing reviews of the samsung phone not recently
0: not recently right
1: but i mean it is it it was baffling to me how many more people i mean even appreciated the galaxy s4's design over the htc1 about two years ago that people even even When all things, other things were equal, people were recommending the Samsung over the HTC. Um, And and part of that was marketing. Part of that might have been some of these software features that no one ever figured out how to use, and now they're not even in the phone. Um, But yeah, I mean, Samsung's biggest problem to me at this point isn't hardware design. It is 100% software design. Um, That Galaxy Tab S is a really nice piece of hardware if you can look aside the, the plastic backing. The software is just a nightmare.
0: That's the one that has two sizes.
1: Yeah, two sizes. Right. Exactly, going head to head with the iPad Mini Retina and with the with the Air.
0: Right, but they because still still have that build quality stuff. Remember the one and, and it had. It's the- really
1: it's thin. I mean, it, you know, when you look at when you look at how thin it is, and you think, okay, well, they had to do maybe some of this plastic tooling on the back and to make it a little bit lighter. That doesn't bother me as much as the the software.
0: I think part of it, too, I do think part of it is, A, it's an institutional lack of taste. Because even, like, materials aside, even if you say cost-wise, we've got to build this out of plastic, um, they've done things where they've made the, the back look like fake leather and they even have, like, fake stitching, and right, it's, it's right. just tacky. It's so tacky. But I think another thing we're is not
1: going to discuss the band aid back either again. <laughs> we're not going there.
0: I think another factor though is that they put out so many things a year. You know that they don't just concentrate on one or two flagship new devices. That I forget how many tablets Samsung has put out in the last calendar year. Somebody when they came out with the S tallied them all up, and it's like, I did. Yeah,
1: I, and I don't remember.
0: I think it was like nine, nine or ten. <laughs>
1: Actually, I said to my editor this morning, uh, Wilson. In case he ever re- re- hears this, um, I said, "Oh well, there's this Barnes and Noble event tomorrow, and they're releasing the Tab. You know, according to the rumors, it seems like they're releasing the Tab Four with you know some Barnes and Noble software." And he's like, "Wait, the Tab Four? Didn't we just review that?" And I was like, "No, we we reviewed the Tab S." He's like, "Oh, right. There's a difference."
0: I think that when you when they put out that many. Devices a year, you know, if they put out ten tablets a year, I don't know that they can ever put enough time into getting any one of them up up to the standards that, that people who've seen like HTC devices and Apple devices and even Nokia devices expect because it's it's too scattered.
1: Right. You well, know, that but that time. was the argument they made with this Tab S. They said, you know, this is this is the flagship tablet like just like the flagship phone with the galaxy s5 or whatever you know the four or whatever that they do every year this is the flagship tablet you know for these flagship phones pay a little bit more attention to that i mean i I imagine somewhere deep there they are really working on these software issues because the the reviews are all bashing them for
0: it yeah but it's hard though because that's you you can say we have to get better at software but Doing it is a different thing, and it's you know they've never really shown an aptitude for it, right? And it makes me wonder whether they might not you know I don't know that that that's what they're thinking, but I would I would wonder whether they're looking at you know some kind of big acquisition to get to bring in software talent that could you know just hire figure out somebody some company that does mobile software well enough. And at that sort of scale, that they could, you know, have enough people to do it and and bring in a new team, because I don't think the people who are already there have any, you know, have shown anything that that they're even on a path to getting where they need to be.
1: Right. Or, or you know, with the improved relations with Google and and Google, what what they seem to be doing is really cleaning everything up. And I was actually going to write a piece on this a couple of months ago when the LG G three came out. That phone is really clean now. You know, LG cleaned up their act there and didn't throw on all these types of widgets and these little buzzing things they used to have on their phones. They, they really did a nice job sort of cleaning the interface up. I mean, there's still some of it and you, you gotta go through and delete it all, but for the most part, they've done a good job. And, you know, when you look at some of the other stuff that's been coming out, well, I mean, the L version of, of Android, a lot of the stuff is looking really clean and polished. You know, there's no reason Samsung couldn't just stick with that. Of course, they want to put their mark on it. But yeah,
0: see, the problem then is that they're not differentiated. There's nothing, you know, but maybe
1: they work closer with Google to figure out what that is for them instead of just making these things ugly.
0: Right. Somehow get most somehow work out a thing with Google to get most favored handset maker status and I don't know, get a new version of Android first or something. But right.
1: And maybe maybe this stuff just bothers us i have i see a lot of people and i have friends with the with with galaxy phones and they they still have the crap just sitting there they just have those those s widgets and s health widgets just sitting there on the home screen it's like you guys know you can move that right it doesn't bother you is it like looking at like a really ugly painting on your phone or your wall every day
0: it it baffles me to no end but it's true that i think probably most people don't even think about stuff like that they don't see it and if it registers at any level it doesn't register at the level where they want to figure out if they can do something but the problem is is those aren't good customers because if they don't even care that you gave them crapware on your this you know this year's lg whatever two two years ago two years from now or three years from now when they get a new phone they're not going to have any kind of loyalty to that device they're not going to come in and say i want the new lg thing they're just going to say whatever you know if they if they right. said whatever when you showed them this phone that has all this crap they're going to go into the Verizon store and say just give me whatever 3 years from now and right. if it's not a LG if it's a Samsung now or if it's an HTC that that's why they they're they're all trying to differentiate on software
1: and and when you the irony here is when you think about it when you take a Windows phone out of the box you don't you don't get a cleaner experience i mean you do you get iOS has a as a similar clean experience but like this is a it's a really polished experience. There's not a lot of crap anywhere. Even if there is, it's sort of hidden below the the you know main or, main center tiles. It's a really clean experience. That, and I think an easier one for people out of the box. And I said that in the review this week is that you know I would rather teach someone how to use a Windows phone than an Android phone.
0: Yeah, yeah. I I would. I have everything I've seen. Yeah, definitely. It's a lot. It it doesn't go. It doesn't seem like stuff is as nested. Right. Right. It's a lot flatter conceptually, not flat and visual, you know, you know, iOS and all the not the flat UI right, design, right, but right, flat right. in terms of if you're just going to map it out on a whiteboard, here's the
1: how to find things. Yeah. Here's
0: how to find things. Yeah. It's a lot simpler. Uh, our next sponsor is another longtime supporter of the show, our good friends at Backblaze. Now, you guys have probably heard me talk about Backblaze before, unless you're new to the show. Uh, and if you are new to the show what 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 is wrong with you you should be you should have been listening to this show for for months at the very least. Backblaze is online backup unlimited, unthrottled for your Mac. You install the software, everything on your mac, all of it, everything on your hard drive, everything on external drives you have plugged into your mac gets backed up online securely to backblaze their servers in the cloud. They have over 100 petabytes of data backed up. Now I, I a couple weeks ago, I asked to clarify this. A petabyte is 1000 terabytes or perhaps, you know, uh, semant- uh, uh, to be pedantic, it's 1024 terabytes. Um, so that's the next level up from a terabyte. They have over 100 petabytes of data backed up. Um, Anyone, I guess, can back up your data, but what what, do you, what about getting it back? Well, Backblaze has just crossed the 6 billion files restored mark. In other words, users of Backblaze have restored over 6 billion files from their cloud-based servers. You can access your data anywhere. They have an iPhone app, lets you access and share any of your files. So while you're on the phone, you can Log into Back, open Backblaze, the app. Go there, navigate to any file, and you can email it to somebody. So if you're out and about, and somebody says, "Hey, give me that file," you know it's on your Mac. You know Backblaze has backed it up. You can get to it right from your phone, email it, or whatever you want to do with it, right from there. When you do restore, you can restore one file at a time, a couple of files, or all your files easily with the web restore. Uh, Twenty-five percent of all Backblaze restores are just one file at a time. It's not just for computer disasters. It might just be because you want to access one file while you're on another machine. I always mention this Backblaze was founded by former Apple engineers. It runs native on your Mac and on Mavericks. Uh, And here's the thing the price is just unbelievable. There's no add ons, no gimmicks, no upsells, no additional charges. Uh, It's just five bucks a month per computer for unlimited, unthrottled backup. You will sleep so much better knowing that everything on your computer is backed up off-site, out of your house, out of your office. Um, You just install it and forget it until you need it. Uh, Five bucks a month. You can get a risk-free, no credit card required trial. Just go there. Don't give me a credit card. Just download it and try it out. And here's where you go. Go to backblaze.com slash daringfireball. Backblaze.com. Slash Daring Fireball, uh, really encourage everybody. If you haven't done it already, try them out. One of the other pieces I've seen this month, you did a piece on. Uh, I think this was probably in the aftermath of your mega. What? How many piece? How many laptops did you review? Twenty nine.
1: I I had about twenty laptops, Windows laptops, sitting at my desk.
0: You did a yeoman's work. You did. Here's all twenty laptops of you know right now today it's back to school season it's early august people are a lot of a lot of kids are going to be buying getting new laptops here's you know the summary we can talk about that in a bit but in the aftermath of that you also did a hey enough with the crapware piece and, yeah. and with advice on that and that's like one of those things where it's like as a long time mac user it's like i can't believe yeah. that that's still a thing
1: I know. I, I can't believe it's still a thing. You know, I used to review PCs like one a week, right? And it just used to be something I like knew I would be dealing with. And I guess I just I thought maybe when Windows 8 came, like where were they going to put the crapware? Were they going to put it on the tile screens? Well, they just kept putting it on the tile screens and on the on the desktop. Um but yeah, it's just uh you know, it, it, nothing it could be one of the things that makes me so, I, I don't know if I get more angry at the pop-ups that come up. Like if you're doing something, like I was you know, writing my column and something and then like three McAfee or Norton pop-up ads come at you and you're like, you know, I already told you I'm not going to reboot the system or give you my email address right now. Or when you open up the laptop and you have eBay ads on your desktop, it's like, really ebay is like at why is that the strategy at this point?
0: Right, why does ebay even want to be involved in that?
1: Like i understood 5 years ago why ebay was on my debt and was doing that, right? But like now really ebay like let's get with the times. Like really I, I just who is really getting invested in ebay because it's sitting on their desktop?
0: I've heard it said though that you know and the reason that it's such a problem is that whole that whole race that the race to the bottom pricing wise. Sure. in the pc market. And i I don't know if it was Ben Thompson or somebody, but I've heard it said before, and it makes sense intuitively at some level that that when you're selling a laptop for three hundred and fifty dollars or something like that you're you're really not making any money on the hardware at all, and that no. the only money somebody like Dell makes when they sell a three hundred and fifty dollar laptop is whatever they get from stuff like McAfee or Norton. Or whoever else is in those things. Like the the money they get from those deals is really the only money they get, period.
1: But but I come back to eBay because (laughs) because it's eBay's fault for keeping I mean, they must get a lot of traffic from these things, right? They must get they must be there must be some reason. There must be getting some return on their investment here. But I just I I think that this could be the problem why eBay has fallen behind some of these other retailer, e-tailer sites is like Figure out a better marketing method than spamming me as soon as I open my Windows 8 computer.
0: Yeah, no, I think it's it's it, it. You've got a problem not just with your marketing, but probably with your product as well. If your marketing campaign is you strategizing against your users, right? You know, it Absolutely. doesn't matter what eBay field you're thing in. really
1: bothers me. You know, no one's opening their computer. Uh, maybe, maybe this is happening. Maybe someone is opening their computer, seeing eBay, and being like, "You know what? I should really go sell that old coffee maker I have on eBay."
0: <laughs> Thank you for interrupting me in the middle of <laughs> me trying to do something else to to do that. I'm right. reminded of a couple years ago. For a while, a long while it seemed, the only pop-up ads I ever saw, like or pop under ads, it was uh, were from Netflix, like. Mm. And that, you know, I had Safari and Chrome with built in pop under blocking and it, you know, somehow and doesn't surprise me that Netflix was able to figure out, you know, was the, you know, a a company that was smart enough to figure out loopholes through the pop under blocking. But it always struck me as why are they doing this? Why is Netflix of all companies, a company that I want to like, that I do like, why are they paying for these pop under ads?
1: No, you're totally right. I would come back to my computer and I'd have a Netflix ad up on my screen.
0: It was they were the only ones I ever saw. Like, and I, you know, I, on the one hand, I sort of salute their their in, ingenuity for being the one company that was figuring out how to get around the built-in <laughs> pop-up and pop-under blockers. But on the other good hand, good work, it's like, Netflix. Yeah, but why are they doing this thing that makes me think about maybe going over to Netflix and canceling my subscription?
1: <laughs> right. Yeah, and that was probably before Netflix really had hit it big.
0: Oh, I mean definitely. I don't know
1: I don't know the last time I've seen it, no,
0: yeah, been it's been a that. it's been a long time, but I, at the time when I remember seeing them and being annoyed, they were still more of a disk service than a, a streaming mm-hmm. service mm-hmm. um but it just seemed like a odd, very odd branding choice to associate themselves with a form of advertising that <laughs> that browsers explicitly that the browsers advertise we block this stuff
1: right, right, yeah, I mean it was it's very frustrating too, that even on the highest end windows laptops you're still getting some of that uh, some of these crapware pieces cuz yeah, i'm just and that i'm just thinking through too. i'm thinking you know the acer that i talked about in that quick sidebar that i wrote to the the laptop piece that's a that's a 1300 hundred dollar computer you can get it now for 999 or i think it was 899 um at microsoft stores and I I really did a lot of shilling there for... I mean, I'm basically telling everyone, go buy your, your computers at Microsoft stores because A, you're getting these really good deals on them, and then B, they're not selling them with junkware. So right. everyone, buy your computers from Microsoft stores if you're in the market for a Windows PC. But I had gotten this one from Acer, and I mean, this is a third... It comes with a nice case. The box smelled good. I mean, like, the whole thing is like a really premium package. You cannot even believe Acer made this computer. I mean... I I can remember reviewing some of the worst some of the worst technology that I remember reviewing came from Acer like terrible laptops years ago and so like you look at this beautiful piece of hardware you open up the thing and then you see Norton, eBay, tons of third party apps that you're just like where you know I think they were from some sort of Chinese um uh, what's a, 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 B word processor or something like that. I can't really remember the, the name of the, the company, but you know, like you've just paid really like you paid a lot of money for a really nice computer. Why is this stuff still sitting here?
0: <laughs> Clearly I'm getting very totally, angry about it. I do. But yeah. Well, I think, I, I think it's worth getting angry about though. I do I, because especially, you know, especially for the ones that you pay a, a premium for, like right. if you're if you're buying a two or three hundred dollar laptop, it still stinks that you're getting loaded with getting it loaded with crapware, but you can understand the economics of it, but- again, yeah, like you said a nine hundred ninety nine dollar laptop if your laptop is a hundred dollars more than the entry level macbook that's that's right. you know you're in a premium price zone like famously apple's you know macbooks are start at the high end of of prices uh and there is really, I just can't see how it's. Why are you nickel nickel and diming them?
1: Yeah, yeah, you're, I mean, it, but it's exactly what you said before. It's that that's where many of these companies are making profit, and the sales teams from Acer to Dell to all these are convincing these people that it's great real estate.
0: But on a nine ninety nine laptop or a thirteen ninety nine laptop, that shouldn't be where they're making their profit. They should be able to, you know, make a profit selling that with a clean version of Windows.
1: That's true there's uh, a the question. But, but these are the add-ons that they're, you know, right. it, it's better for them. And then on top of it, they, they skin the browsers. That's another thing Acer does. Still? Yeah.
0: Really? How do they, what does that mean?
1: That means there's, there's like a tool bro- like a toolbar that's preloaded in the browser.
0: <laughs> what year Yet again 19, with eBay. 1998?
1: Yet again with eBay. Wow. I mean, the eBay stuff really bothers me. I'm not sure why. Like maybe if it well. was a link to a better I just don't do that much stuff on eBay anymore. Yeah. but why, I, You know, why? Amazon's in the, in the same business. Amazon, um, I think it, maybe it was Toshiba preloads their am, preloads an Amazon app. I don't know. Wow. Yeah. I should have done this more scientifically and done it. A flow what chart. about
0: the Chromebooks? Now Chromebooks are really low price points, uh, you know, for the most part. I, I mean, you know, like the, 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 What's the Google one? The pixel aside. Right. um, But most of them, you know, the whole point of them is that they're sort of the new netbooks pricing wise. Are they do they come with crapware?
1: No, no. and, And Google is very strict about what these OEMs can put on are they are just like android in some ways you know where they have sort of these strict guidelines i mean obviously right. you know they let people customize they're way more controlled when it comes to chromebooks
0: so i wonder if microsoft can't enforce it just because of the remaining fallout from the 1997 antitrust stuff that they can't maybe they can't bring the hammer down and say you can't cuz i know You know, because Ben Thompson used to work at Microsoft and he's, you know, been explicit about it publicly that it's a huge frustration inside the halls in uh, Redmond that the windows that most people see is so junked up right from the start.
1: Well, I mean, it does affect performance. There's no doubt that it affects performance. You know, if this was just stuff that you could just sweep away and put it in, a, in like a little folder that's one but this stuff affects performance So you have these things popping up I you know one of the apps opened because it told me I had to like you know do I want to agree or whatever and the wild tangent games that's a whole other situation where if you open that up that's running in the browser and they've got another app that's running so yeah I mean no doubt Microsoft has been upset about this stuff for for forever and that's why they're they're offering it in their stores without this.
0: Yeah, and I think that it's, you know, for a long time, I mean Apple's always focused on um uh a lot of effort on a, a first run experience, on good stuff like good packaging and stuff like that. Um even before you turn a device on that it you should be already be having a good experience just opening the box. Um and for a long time, they were unique in that regard because they were sort of the, the wild stepchild of the industry. But, you know, anybody who's successful, people are going to start studying what they do. And clearly, Apple's, you know, over the last 10 years is the most successful gadget maker in the industry. And I think it's caught on and everybody is, you know, the, the average packaging in general, like you're saying that even an Acer comes with good packaging now.
1: Very I think nice that's packaging.
0: I think that's the apple effect. It
1: smells almost as good as an app, as a MacBook. And yes, I, you know, this this thing about laptop smells is very important.
0: I you know, I remember I used to have in college I had a, a one of my jobs like a, an internship was a, more or less like an IT job. And so sometimes like if a new a department was getting a new shipment of uh computers in i know exactly what you're talking about we used to get dells at this place yeah and you know we'd have like eight boxes to open and they they did there was like a bad smell like a i don't know like an acidic yep. plasticky smell
1: yeah um i think there was an hp or a couple of years ago no 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 it was Dell last year where people were complaining that their lap- the new laptops were smelling like urine.
0: <laughs> I remember that. I do remember that.
1: And people were writing in and it had something to do with like the glue or some sort of yeah. thing. Um, yeah. I mean, you can get a bad smelling laptop. I mean, mostly, though, like I have this like I just love the smell of a new laptop. It's like a new car. You know, I, I, I have I I'm really showing my hands here on this podcast. Um, i know
0: exactly what you mean though you know i do know what you mean it's
1: it's like a new macbook smells really good i mean it's like and a new macbook air even better
0: yeah yeah uh it's no coincidence you know that's not just by chance it's you know about caring about stuff like that and using good materials and not using cheap glue and yeah um but i I do remember that like like when we would have like uh hey eight new pcs came in we got to set them up and it was you know it wasn't like like you know, there's people who work with raw sewage. I mean, there are a lot worse <laughs> smells that people have on a regular basis on their job, but it wasn't pleasant.
1: Right, we're terrible people. We sit here. We we're are like, horrible people complaining terrible. about like, the smell. Oh, we have to open up a laptop that doesn't smell good. Oh, my job is so hard.
0: <laughs> <laughs> but that's interesting. It is interesting to me, though, that a Chromebooks don't have that problem. You know, no. and and the first run experience, like here, I've got this new thing. I, you know, I just bought it. And that's when you're like, you know, it's, it, it's a psychological thing. First impressions really do matter. Okay, turn it on. Here's how I turn it on. What's the first thing I see? Am I yeah. getting barra- you know, a barrage of ads or am I getting a, you know, professional designers have, you know, given you this onboarding experience to make it pleasant? Okay. It matters because that's like your first impression of the device the first time you turn it on is is like the starting point of the graph of your customer satisfaction with it
1: yeah right I it's mean, not it's like a, you
0: your customer satisfaction doesn't start at zero and start inching up it it
1: yeah it's it down. starts
0: somewhere based on that first experience you know right
1: or the excitement that you've got a new product and you're excited to open it and then it's like you know is there the record scratch or are you you know are you, is there you know happy music are you are you enjoying getting this new thing
0: yeah, that's a good point because when your device is, it's just like a brand new car. You're excited. You're excited to just go to the grocery store, drive to the grocery store when you have a brand new car because it's, you got a new car.
1: Yeah. Uh, I mean, I like open, he, I open phones all the time, but when I get my own new phone, that is a different experience. Right, I'm like, this is mine. Like, this is this is going to be mine for however long, you know, the right. foreseeable future. Four years, mo- many people keep their laptops, you know. All right, I think that's what it used to be. I don't know now if, if that's the case, but
0: yeah, I think it's longer and longer. I think that you know, I think that's part of the problem that the PC industry is facing. Right. right. Is that people are holding them longer because they're doing stuff like you know they don't feel like they need a new PC that often because they're doing so much on their tablets.
1: Right, or surfing, or they're just you know. In the web browser, and they don't need half the other power that is that they have.
0: Yeah, uh, but that is interesting to me that that Google enforces that pretty tight, even on these devices that are selling for as low as two hundred fifty bucks.
1: Yeah, definitely. I mean, mostly also they don't. You know, the the hardware is so low end. You know, when you, even this Acer I have the two ninety nine C seven twenty the Chromebook. Um, I mean, this is not a, a nice feeling computer, but it's it's fine for the price.
0: Yeah. Uh, I've seen it. And I know that it's, it's the, I think it's one of the main ways that Chromebooks are starting to actually have an effect on the industry is uh, like K-12 education.
1: Sure. Yeah. Like
0: at my son's school, they do have some iPads, but it's an awful lot of Chromebooks. And like Mm -hmm. when they do writing and stuff like that, um, it's in a Chromebook and in Google Docs. Yeah. And I can't really blame them. And, and it's funny talking to my son about it. He and his friends, they do complain about them because most of these kids have like Apple stuff at home and they even complain about the things being, and this isn't like, like uh, my son playing to me and knowing this. if anything, he would tease me. And if he, if he knew better, he'd tease me and tell me how much he likes the Chromebook. It's just, his, you know, me subtly gauging his opinions. Like, Oh yeah, it's a real piece of junk, you know, like the trackpad. Um <laughs> You know, and the kids are nuts. I've said this before. Kids today are nuts about things like frame rate because it's all from the games. And he, you know, right, but even right. even just using the Chromebook for school work, it's like he's like, ah, oh, terrible slow. frame rate. Yeah,
1: he says frame rate.
0: Yeah. Oh, my oh God, kids today. Him. Kids today are nuts about frame rates, and they all know sixty. They, everybody knows that sixty is what you want. That you want sixty frames per second. Um,
1: I don't. Well, hold on. I think I think kids definitely know slow now because like they're like, my iPad doesn't do that, but. Do you think maybe only your kid knows the word frame rate?
0: No, definitely not. Because they, watch, they all watch uh, uh, YouTube videos nonstop.
1: Of like of, video games?
0: Yep. And while okay. they this – is, this is what kids like do. Like Minecraft? I, it doesn't matter whether – yeah, Minecraft, uh, the, you know, the Arkham, Batman yeah, game. It doesn't yeah, matter yeah. what games you play. What you do as a kid today is you start playing a video game on device A – Could be your phone, uh, could be your iPad, could be, you know, like a a Wii U or whatever. And then on device B, Mm -hmm. you watch videos of people playing the same game at the same time. And it's, you know, it's nonstop chatter about things like frame rate and stuff like that. It's not from like a, a, trust me, he's not unusual. He's 10.
1: Oh my God. And trust me, frame
0: rates, frame rates are a huge deal.
1: That's so funny.
0: Really I believe, funny. I,
1: you know, I didn't even think about that. I mean, I, I, um, at work, the, the makeup artist, her daughter talks to me about Minecraft constantly. <laughs> and she, and she's constantly, you know, telling me, oh, well, I saw this video of Minecraft and, you know, they built this and they did that. So I totally know what you're, I just, I, the idea that like a kid would be sitting like, oh, yeah, the frame rate on this Chromebook is terrible. Like, yeah. a, the fact that a kid would be saying that is amazing to me. And so I, I thought in my head, like, oh, yeah, of course. Of course, John's... No, but it's not...
0: Like yeah, it, you would... It, that would make some degree of sense, but it's not... It, it isn't. It's just common. Like, a, a, a the, one of the most disparaging words like a fourth or fifth grader can use to describe something is uh, laggy. <laughs> laggy is... Lagginess is a huge issue.
1: All these kids are going to be way better reviewers than I am.
0: Yeah. It's a huge deal with all the kids who are into Minecraft because, like, Minecraft is so extensible. You can pl- plug in, like, new shaders... So that you can get like right. a total, totally different graphics engine um,
1: but it slows uh, the hell down
0: right it's it's you know if you're running it on like a MacBook Air or something like that, you get lagginess and it's that's uh that's this is the worst thing that could possibly happen it's horrible, hmm. but anyway, I can totally see why schools are loading up on these things because if I were going to put devices in the hands of fourth and fifth graders uh, you know, it makes an awful lot of sense to give them a $200 thing that if they drop and needs to, it needs to be replaced, you know, it's not going to crack like, like an iPad.
1: Right. Hmm. Yeah. Um, and
0: that also, it ties into another thing that you've written about recently, which right. I wanted to mention, which is the you, you did a whole thing on, uh, do you still need a Microsoft Office?
1: Yeah. You see the pattern here. It was, it was Microsoft August yeah. in my life. Um, it just happened that those topics sort of were in a good succession because I did the laptop piece. And obviously, you know, the piece led with recommending, um, the air. And I got a lot of emails from people saying, well, how am I supposed to use the air without Microsoft Office and so I had to write back to people and explain to them Microsoft Office has been available for the air for a really long time and
0: (laughs) forever
1: (laughs) yeah yeah I'm pretty
0: sure Microsoft Excel shipped on the Mac first that it was
1: (laughs) you know and well and, and to their credit some people wrote back and said yes but it's a far inferior product on on the Mac and I I said I actually agree I have I use Microsoft Office on on my Mac and I actually run parallels sometimes to run uh Windows, I mean, Microsoft Office 365, because you get a better Outlook experience, blah, blah, blah. Um, so it just started getting, you know, my, me thinking, okay, well, maybe we should do a piece right now explaining to people that maybe they don't need Microsoft Office. Um, and so yeah, that was that was that piece. And then it just happened to be that that Windows 8 was Windows Phone 8 was launching on this HTC. And so every week, I feel like as if I've uh, been giving a, a nice look at what's going on in Redmond.
0: Well, and I do think that there's an interesting angle there on education where, you know, like in my son's school, like a lot of the stuff he does, it gets sub- turned into the teacher by Google Docs. That you don't have um, documents. There's no, you don't save stuff to your hard drive and then print it out and hand it in. It's, you know, he, I don't, I'm not even sure exactly what the steps are that he does, but it's, you know, it's completely through the school's, uh, Google Docs thing, Google right. Office thing.
1: Yeah. I mean, I, my entire editing process is now done in, in Google Docs. I mean, we, when I deal with the print editors, we, we move back to, to Word. But, um, when I deal with my direct editor, we're, we're just completely in Google Docs. And it's a great, I mean, I compared Office or Word online and Excel online and PowerPoint online to Google Docs. And then also what Apple's been doing with, um, iCloud Pages and and spreadsheets and or I mean with numbers and um Keynote and you know all of those platforms have added really substantial sharing and collaboration features but Google still has just it's it's really built into the platform like it, you can tell that that's where this was built like this that was the main reason they built some of these features or these platforms like it's almost like I I I and I think this is actually true. I think Google built Google Docs so they would be able to collaborate on documents rather than just have something that lived in the cloud. Um and it it feels that way. Like the sharing capabilities are better, the being able to comment on what somebody's written, being able to live edit and watch them live edit. It all works better still on Google stuff.
0: Yeah. And I do think that it's a good I think you're exactly right that it's a, it, it really matters where the product started. Right. though i have to
1: say apple the the new iCloud pages i don't know if you've tried the sharing functionality but they have some interesting stuff in there that i actually you know there were a couple small features i'm like i wish google docs had this now um so you know they've got they're still playing catch up on some of the other things like commenting like seeing some of that live editing um but like if i sent you my my iCloud pages thing now you don't have to log in at all you can just create a name like you can just write you know Gruber, and you can just jump into the document without having to log in at all. And I think that's actually a feature that Google well, should and the,
0: over. And the big thing, too, is that you don't – I mean, the whole f- basis of all of that sharing is that you don't have to coordinate any – okay, I'm going to open it now. Don't sh- right. don't make any changes on your site. Like, Dropbox is an amazing, amazing Service, But like if you're sharing a document between two people on Dropbox, like an app that's not meant, doesn't really, isn't aware of Dropbox, just open it up in numbers or whatever. uh, You can easily run into problems, even just with yourself, if you have it open on two machines at the same time, where you make changes on one side and different changes on the other side. And now you've, you know, you're overwriting it as opposed to. um, It all
1: being in one place
0: well and having it set up you know google docs from day 1 where as you type in the document the on your end the keystrokes show up on mine right right and it's it's um meant to be used by different people at the same time and and meant for that as opposed to the problems you can run into with apps that are rooted in a design where it's your file on your computer
1: yeah that's a great point yeah yeah, and I think, you know, I mean, I was actually really impressed where, where Apple's gone with that. I mean, Microsoft has had a lot of these features, and they're getting better. Um, but the problem with, with Microsoft is they're still trying to bring these features to the desktop version, and yeah. it just doesn't work there. It just really doesn't work there.
0: Yeah, um, and the other thing, too, and you see it, you the know. same. It, there's
1: actually the same problem with pages. You know, the sharing is really good in iCloud pages, but when you try and do it from the desktop app, it's it's not as good.
0: Yeah, and that's a real problem. I think it's a real problem because the desktop version in every other regard is better, you know, in terms of just, you know, like going back to lagginess and stuff like that. Like, you know, native uh, apps run better than apps that are jury rigged through HTML and JavaScript and CSS. But you're right, though, that the sharing stuff doesn't work as well, like in terms of live updates and stuff, that there's still like these roots of an old school you know, your file saved to your hard disk mentality there.
1: Right. But I mean, you know, when you look at the whole ecosystem of things, I mean, you know, as I talked about in this piece is like, you know, it ultimately comes down to what, what would you want to pay for? And I, and I conclude, you know, there's no reason to pay for office anymore if you just need the basics. And you can get those, and even if you prefer using the Office interface, you can get all of that for free now through Word and Excel and PowerPoint Online.
0: Yeah. So, yeah, that's interesting. Yeah. But I do, and I wonder, too, how, how it's going to play out with, because um, it's the sort of thing, like, it doesn't happen, everything, I, I, I try to focus on the big picture as much as I can. I think I do a better job than than a lot of people who write about tech. But it's so hard to look past just even the next year. But it's some things take five, six, seven, ten years. Like what happens when like today's ten year olds are freshmen in college eight years from now? I think Microsoft Office is gonna seem like, you know, like using a mainframe from the sixties. Like nobody's gonna be using that.
1: I, like, I I couldn't agree more. I think I think when you look at well, it's, it's two things. One, it's the idea of installing software in, in the regards that you would have to somehow install with, you know, office. Of course, now kids are really used to using apps, but I think the idea that kids have started to get, get used to is that they can just get that a lot, a lot of that stuff through the web browser. And then second of all, the idea of paying for something like that. I mean, I, I just, I don't think it's, I don't think it's the reality in 10 years. Yeah.
0: Well, and I think the other thing, too, is that with the file system mentality to submit your work to the teacher, it, whether it's printed or even if it was like, you know, I'm sure there's a lot of people who, in the, you know, certainly since I've been in school, but who've been able to email their homework to their teachers and stuff like that. But when you do something like that, you're sending a copy. It doesn't matter whether it's a hard right. copy or still a digital copy. It's, okay, I've... I've sent a copy of this document as an email attachment. And now there's a copy of it. That that whole, there's a bunch of different copies of it mentality is...
1: Right. It's not like it, the live living thing.
0: Right. Right. Here's this this one URL. And it's mm-hmm. the same URL. From my end as a student, it's where I go to type. And from the teacher's end, it's just where they bring it up to read it and put their remarks. Mm-hmm. And you would not, you know, the the... The whole issue of having various versions of a document copied and you know, who's got the right version and now the teacher sent me a new copy back with you know right. w- with their comments, it's, it's craziness from I think from kids' perspective today.
1: Right. They're and just then, not
0: even gonna get it. They're not even gonna understand it.
1: Right. And that's where, you know, who knows if we'll be paying for cloud storage then. I mean if it all signs point to us not really paying for cloud storage even now at this point. I mean we're paying what for a terabyte of storage 10 dollars a month um expecting that to go down i mean so the that sort of equation where you think i'm not paying for the software but i'm paying for this platform to keep these documents alive and not save them to my like as you're saying and not saving them as a file i'm not saving them as a copy um seems to make more sense for the structure of these types of services yeah which is totally uh, you know where where Microsoft is is going with this Office three sixty five thing?
0: Yeah, I think that they see it, but I still think even though that they see it, and I think they're doing great work with it, um, they're still in a dangerous spot where they're they're they seem to need to you know financially they need to protect the existing right operations the, the existing business, and it's in conflict with the future.
1: Absolutely, yeah, yeah. Hmm. Now it's 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 been an interesting. Couple of columns to look at Microsoft and how they try and figure out how they form or fit into the future. Um, you know, even, even from the, the Windows laptop piece that I wrote, you know, when you look at, when you look at the problems and the thoughts that they had about Windows 8 and where they've sort of ended up now, which is really kind of coming full circle back to, okay, we, we can't abandon core windows and we got to sort of come back to the traditional desktop and you look at all of these devices that are supposed to be tablets that are supposed to be hybrid machines and really i think a lot of people are just using them as traditional laptops um you know it's it, it makes you wonder how cyclical some of this stuff is going to be
0: yeah uh let me take a last break right here rounding out a uh group of sponsors, longtime sponsors to all of them today on today's show is uh, maybe the longest of long-term sponsors of this show, uh, Squarespace, our good friends at Squarespace. You've heard me mention them before. Um, Squarespace makes it simple and easy to create and publish your own website. You sign up for Squarespace. You pick one of their amazing, really attractive templates, all of which are responsive, ready to go from mobile phone to tablet to any size desktop display. Uh, use drag and drop to rearrange the components of the website. Uh, get it just the way you want. Uh, and that's it. You just sign up, pick a template, drag and drop to customize. And there you go. You've got a website. It could not be easier. Um, Squarespace has 24 seven tech support. This is tech support that they want you to use. They take pride in it. I think it's maybe their most differentiating feature. Um, this isn't like a, like a checklist, like, yeah, there's somebody you can contact. No, they really, if you need help, if you have questions, contact them. They do it through live chat and email, no phone. Cause who wants a phone call? I don't want to talk to anybody on the phone phone calls. like, like 20th century technology. Chat is way better. They'll get back to you right away, and the tech support staff really knows Squarespace inside and out, and they really do want you to use them. They've got teams in uh, Dublin, Ireland, New York City, and Portland. That's how they cover the whole. That's how they cover twenty four seven by having teams in uh, Europe, East Coast U.S., West Coast U.S. And here's the thing: plans start at just eight bucks a month, and if you sign up for a year, you get a free domain name eight bucks a month for a totally professional website. And you can do anything with the Squarespace site. You can make it a blog. You can use Squarespace to publish a podcast. They've got built-in support for that. Uh, You can create a store. You can create a gallery of your photographs or your artwork. Anything you might want to have a website for, they've got support for, uh, including online commerce. Every every site comes with an online store if you want it. Handles everything from uh, security, SSL, uh, to credit card um, purchasing, all sorts of stuff. That's a huge pain in the ass. A lot of technical hurdles if you want to roll it on your own. Squarespace has it all built in. Uh, so what do you do? You can start a trial with no credit card required and start building your own website today. So what you do is go to squarespace.com slash Gruber. That's my last name. Squarespace.com slash Gruber. That way you know you're coming from uh, the talk show and they'll know you're coming from there. You know, you might think, why does Squarespace keep sponsoring the show? You know why? Because people like you go there, finally decide, hey, I do need a website. Maybe I should check out Squarespace. And when they go, they use that URL or they use the code. There's a code JG when you actually sign up to pay. After you go there, start building your website you're ready to sign up, use the code jg and you'll save 10 percent off your first purchase if you do the thing where you sign up for a year at a time um that could be a significant amount of money uh use those codes that's how they know you got here from the show and people like you who do that use that code use those urls that's how somebody like squarespace keeps coming back to support the show uh so my thanks to squarespace check them out if you have any interest in building a website Here's two more things I wanted to talk to you about after having gone through all those um, laptops is first trackpads like is that still a problem on Windows PCs where the trackpads are just grossly inferior to the MacBook ones or have they finally caught up a little bit
1: No it's still it's 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 still one of tech's greatest unsolved problems or mysteries I do not understand why Windows PC makers cannot figure out to, how to make a trackpad as good as Apple's.
0: And it's not purely software because everything I've read is that when you run, reboot your MacBook, you know, in Windows, yeah, to boot camp, it works better. It has, it's the best Windows trackpad you'll ever use.
1: Yep, yep. I did, I did a piece right before I left the Verge a couple of years ago on why the MacBook Air was almost as good of an ultrabook as any PC maker could make.
0: Right, and um, the trackpad and keyboard were. Big part of it
1: right um you know i even recommended in this laptop piece that just buy one of these laptop, these windows 8 laptops with a touch screen first of all they're just as they're just like they're all competitive on pricing you basically even from the 500 hundred dollar range even down you can get a windows laptop with a touch screen so just buy one with a touch screen because if you run into these problems with the trackpad you can reach out and touch the screen it's almost like a like a small band-aid on the problem but um Yeah, you know, in some places it's been fixed. Like Lenovo's works better than some. Um, Asus is – I don't understand why that trackpad is – it's like trying to use sandpaper. Um, Who who else made a decent one? Uh, Acer's kind of breaks a little bit. It's just like it seems to be the last place they're focusing on, and it's like that's one of them. I mean, if you can't navigate your computer, why do you have a computer?
0: Yeah, it should be one of the first, I, I especially I, I find, you know, because I have a desk, I still have a real keyboard and stuff at my desk where I try to do most of my writing. But when I'm on my MacBook Air, it's more, if anything, more than at my desk, it's a little bit more consumption. Yeah. And that means like needing to scroll and stuff like that. And if the trackpad, every time the trackpad gives me trouble, it's always annoying. You know, I can't, it's central to the experience to me.
1: The trackpad on the Air, I mean, I actually now, this is an example, I have a Thunderbolt display at my desk at work, and, you know, some might, I think the IT guy said, well, just close your MacBook and just use that and we'll get you an, a spare keyboard, and I said, no, I don't want to use the the trackpad, the Magic trackpad, and I really like my Air's keyboard, so I want to use that as the home base and just look at, at the the screen, because I I live with the trackpad, I can't use a mouse.
0: Yeah. Well, you know what I've seen? And I'm I, like you, you know, like you in Times Square, just looking at, uh, you know, can I find anybody using a Windows phone? When I travel, I do, I, airports, I love to just look at yeah. what are people using? And on vacation, like at Disney World, uh, what are people taking their pictures with when they're holding their cameras and tablets up? What, what kind of device is that? Um, I see so many people, but always with PCs, almost never with a MacBook. With mice. With mice. I right? do too. I, I, yeah. I,
1: this is like my thing too. I, I pretty much count laptops when I go in coffee shops and like, I will just do like the mental math. Like, okay, yeah, right. Three, like, you know, looking at this place, 30% of the people in here are using PCs and, and they're at the, and then 50% or a hundred percent of those 30% are using, are using mice.
0: I saw two guys, you know, I, who were obviously colleagues setting up, um, in like the hotel, um, I forget where I was, but it was like in a hotel bar slash lounge, you know, but a relatively small table. They both had huge laptops, 15-inch PCs, you know, big, not not air-style ones, big ones. I know
1: exactly what you're going to say, with a tiny mouse.
0: With with a tiny mouse, but they were on the same table, like, um, battleship style, right? right? You know what I mean? (laughs) Yeah, yeah, Totally. But it was a small cocktail table with two big laptops. They only had like a few inches, and they both had mice, and they're just the, – they had to pick up the – you know, you, they had to keep picking right. it up to move it around. And It's
1: like a Charlie you know, Chaplin skit.
0: Right, and I was like, wonder what they're – doing, and, I, you know, just curious as I went to the restaurant, I'd like look over, and they were both doing something in Excel or, right, or right. some other spreadsheet. I don't know, it's, you know. But clearly they were doing spreadsheet work. But they both, with these huge laptops and no room on the table, were using mice. And I thought, man, that is – got to be a sign that you know that they've got terrible trackpads
1: right or it's it's habit like i think people have this habit of using mice they know how to use their keyboard shortcuts with their left hand and they have their right hand on the mouse but i i don't i don't know why um i i i would say if you asked most people who own a macbook or a macbook air like the number one thing they like about it is the touchpad um or the trackpad but you know this is how the other half lives. I don't I don't know I, 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 I used to tackle it more when I would meet with companies like Synaptics who make the the sensors and the and the touch panels for the the pcs and I actually think they do work with Apple as well um, and for a while they were you know I'd, I'd heard that Apple had some extra IP on certain types of touch and stuff like that i I simply think for most of these, it's just getting the hardware and the software to work better together. And, you know, I, I thought that's why I have to, you know, I, I, I was upset a little bit that Microsoft just didn't turn the Surface Pro 3 into a laptop. Um, you know, cause my biggest problem with that is like, you, you went pretty far here. You've got a really nice system, but this is not a laptop replacement because the keyboard and the trackpad are so crappy. Yeah. I mean, and, and that's, a, I see that also in New York a lot. If I do see someone with a Surface and there's one person at my local coffee shop and she has a Surface 2, and she hangs a little mouse from the side. <laughs> <laughs> and she, you know, because the, the the USB ports are on, on the screen, right? So you, you have right. the mouse hanging from the side of the screen. And it's just like, this is exactly the problem right here. Like, that's just the photo to explain the entire review. Like, it's not as good of a laptop because the parts that make this a laptop, which is a keyboard and a trackpad, are not as good as real laptops.
0: right? Well and that brings me to the flip side of the same thing. The other thing the other thing I wanted to ask you about is the laptop devices with touch screens and Apple's explanation for why they haven't done that. I mean and this is many this is a years old explanation. I mean Steve Jobs I think was the one who delivered it and so it's you know got to be you know 3 4 years is that you know they've tried it and ergonomically it's unpleasant to just have to stick your arm out it's it's just a weird angle and it's not it's not good and do you find that that's true actually using devices like say chromebooks that have touch screens
1: more you know so i the number one pc that i did like was the y- lenovo yoga which if anyone from lenovo i'm just going to keep saying this like you should have called it Li- the lenoga <laughs>
0: <laughs> I, I totally agree. <laughs>
1: I've been calling in the video by accident. I'm sure nobody noticed because, well, no, a lot of people did watch that video. Um, I, I called it the Lenovo twice.
0: <laughs> yeah, I did hear that. I did hear that. Lenovo.
1: <laughs> and, I was, and one of the editors was like, oh, you need to re go do that. I am like, oh, no, it'll notice. And it's like, you know what? Even if they do notice, this is what they should have called it. This is right, what they should have called it. Either the, the or just change your name to Lenovo. <laughs> Anyway, I really like that device because it does do that flipping thing, but the touch screen the touch touchscreen, the screen's really nice and so I ended up using the touch screen more when I would I, I did do the flip thing, you know, the you flip right. it around and you can use it as what do they call it, tablet or stand mode. And I you know, I did take advantage of that. I you know, would end up just kind of surfing the bed surfing the bed, surfing the uh the web in bed and just do it that way. Um
0: isn't it weird, though, having the buttons of the keyboard s- sticking out on the back?
1: Yeah, it is weird, and this is something that, like, none of these have figured out. I mean, the, one of the ThinkPad ones, it, they actually um, – they go up into the into the thing. What do they call it? They, like
0: – Recess?
1: Yeah, they sort of recess, but, like um, – yeah, I mean, it, they, I mean the, they don't work, right? Like, the keyboard is disabled in that mode. Right,
0: once you fold it around, the, the keyboard board- – the keystrokes don't don't register
1: right and i you know i don't i i haven't used these like long enough to see if the wear and tear of you know if i were to do that at a coffee shop or if i would be right. doing that on a, an airplane table or a tray table if that would be uncomfortable. Um, but, you know, when I was using mostly just to like surf the web in bed, I, I, I like the experience. And like I said, I would find myself reaching out to use the screen more when let's say the trackpad wasn't working in internet explorer or when I'm trying to scroll down a long document. And that's just an easier way to get through things.
0: The thing that I've heard from like in the email I get from, from readers, because um, there's been a lot more speculation growing speculation as the arm processors get faster and faster and they have such energy advantages over Intel processors, you know, speculation would Apple ever, you know, make a Mac with arm processors. And every time I linked to something like that or speculated about it myself, I, I usually get a couple of emails from people saying, well, what if, what if it's not, what if they do switch and start making laptops with arm processors, but they don't run Mac OS, they run iOS. Mm-hmm. you know that that's what a lot of people want is like not not like the surface where it's a cover that you detach with the keyboard but an actual like MacBook Air form factor but it's running iOS and then but you know and and um, I was just listening to eight the uh, accidental tech podcast uh the l- most recent episode and John Syracusa pointed out on the show first question is well then what's the input is there a is there, do you add a mouse? There is no mouse in iOS. And, you know, do you have to reach out and you, do you have to reach out and touch the screen all the time? Like how pleasant is that in real life to use the touch screen while it's in a, a true laptop form factor? Right.
1: Well, I mean... Part of, part, like, part of what I'm saying with Windows 8 is that the touch screen is still very much a crutch, right? Like, it's a crutch for, for the trackpad issues. And it's also a crutch for the fact that Windows 8 was not designed, you know, they, they tried to layer on top a touch interface. So one of the easiest ways to swipe through apps is just to, You know, swipe them from the side. And those are other situations where I find when I'm using Windows 8, I just reach out and use this and touch the screen. So it's definitely for me, you know, now that I'm really thinking about it, those are the two main times when I would use the touch screen to scroll through things or to swipe in other apps from the sides. Um, Yeah, I think, you know, I guess, I guess the question when I think about iOS, you know I can't really imagine using it with a with a with a mouse.
0: No, I can't either. It, and um, it's really unpleasant if you like as a developer if you just you can you can do it, you can run iOS apps as right. a developer on your Mac when you're okay. testing it and it's horrible. It's really really bad sitting there and clicking around things on, with the mouse. And I'm sure they could somehow make it a little better and add shortcuts like so that you could you know, two-finger scroll or something like that. I I I don't know. The
1: only place you would want to do it, and I don't work on my iPad that much anymore, but when I used to write things on my iPad, you know, I guess I would want it for maneuvering through tighter menus in in office or whatever. Um,
0: Well, and a mouse cursor is way easier for exact Copying, pasting. Yep, and for getting the insertion point right in the middle of the word between the two letters where you want to, you know, fix a typo or something like that. right. But I don't know. It just seems to me like two different universes. But the other thing I hear from readers a lot is that they'll say stuff like, hey, you know, it's funny. I, I never thought that I'd like a touchscreen Mac either. But I was on vacation, you know, for a week and I didn't take my Mac. I only took my iPad and mm-hmm. I came back to work and I, without thinking, found myself touching reaching out and screen. touching my screen and expecting stuff to move. It's like, I, you know. Yeah. I mean, that's a real thing. I do. I, I understand that. But it still seems to me like two different worlds.
1: It does seem like two different worlds, but there are certain places, I think we're describing it, where there are certain apps that we feel really comfortable reaching out and touching the screen. Then there are the certain apps where we feel way more comfortable using a, a keyboard and touchpad or, or a cursor. Um, and that's, you know, Microsoft likes to give you that option. Yeah. Um, but of course, Microsoft designed the operating system around touch. Um, right. Yeah, and I think yeah. I think that's what Apple says. You know, Apple says, um, you know, this operating system was just not designed for for touch.
0: Right, and this other one is.
1: You're right, and this other one is. That said, I'm still, you know, I mean. And that's one of the problems I sometimes have with some of the keyboard docs for the iPad is like you start to want to do more. And I wrote that piece a couple of months ago. I know we talked about it, which was like tablets for work, that when you attach a keyboard to a tablet, you start to want to do more.
0: Mm.
1: And sometimes that wasn't designed for that. Right. Like if I attach a keyboard to my iPad, I start to want to be able to multitask better. I start to want to be able to type and do keyboard shortcuts and easily swipe up on, the, on some sort of trackpad to get to something um, versus, you know, the opposite, which is you know, you, when you're when you don't have the keyboard, you you sort of feel more limited, but you're not trying to do more.
0: I think that about brings us to an end. Anything else you wanted to talk about this week? Anything else on your mind?
1: Anything else on my mind? I don't know. I've got an ice bucket challenge to do.
0: Oh, I saw that.
1: I've been, I've been, I've been. You know, I have to say, I was. You know, you're like sort of like I'm the last person to be picked for the gym class team. You know, because I hadn't been tagged in the ice bucket challenge, but I also had like. Two weeks to sit back and watch it. I what I thought was very stupid videos. Um, so I'm not really sure what I'm going to do with this.
0: I've I, I saw something about that. Uh, this is this. I, if I can't imagine, there's anybody who hasn't seen this yet. But the, it's for ALS, the AKA Lou Gehrig disease. Um, and I've seen some people, and, and not people who are trying to be cynical, but people who are like, you know, uh, is the point to raise money, or is the point to make these? goofy videos. Right. But I saw somebody say that they've, they've raised like this. They they do. It's like an annual campaign to raise money for ALS. And that this year's campaign is something it's already like 10 times more money than they raised in 2013. I'm sure. So it is, you know, it is in fact proving to be incredibly successful, from their perspective, as a, a fundraising thing.
1: Well, the what the thing that really confused me, you know, early on in the week, or was the end of last week, which was like, okay, the celebrities were getting in on the game, and you know, from the start, it was from from what I'd understood from Facebook videos that I'd watched from my friends, it was like either or, right? Either you dump this on your head or you give the money.
0: Yeah, yeah, and I think that's what's what's making some people like. Hey, shouldn't Tim Cook, instead of dumping right. ice on his head, shouldn't he give the money? But he but said I
1: think, that he gave the money.
0: Yeah, I think what most people – I think everybody who cares enough to actually make a video and dump the ice water on their head is also right. giving money. And
1: then I, I had tweeted last Friday or something, like, why is no one dumping money on their head? <laughs> <laughs> and then finally, of all people, uh, what's his name, dumped some money on his head?
0: <laughs> Charlie who, who? Sheen. <laughs>
1: um, so, you know, uh, I guess I could dump money on my head, but I don't really have that much money. Where can I, where can I get a hundred singles? Does anyone know a strip club I can go to?
0: I'm sure somebody does. I think you could just go to the bank, though.
1: <laughs> well, okay. Well, uh, now I'm sharing too much. Right. Um, yeah, I think that's all I, I have here to discuss.
0: A bucket of ice ice, ice water singles.
1: Yeah. Well, no one's done that. Wet no. money.
0: Yeah, wet money. <laughs> <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Joanna. Everybody can can uh, follow you on Twitter at, uh, at Joanna Stern. And, uh, and everybody can read your weekly columns and watch your excellent, excellent videos um, at the Wall Street Journal.
1: Thank you. Yes.
0: Is there a special special URL or just uh, – like what's the homepage of the uh,
1: – WSJD.com
0: wsjd dot com yeah uh, yeah really and great work the videos are my favorite part I don't know
1: I'm glad to hear that yeah no we put a lot of effort into those so um.
0: yeah I do think that's weird you know I was thinking about that before I cut you short I I, I uh, before I cut the show I do think it's weird and you're you're at the center of it of the way that the established publication or not even publication media brands um, there's this incredible convergence between Writing and TV, yeah. where it used to be totally different. I mean, because your pre- prior gig to the Wall Street Journal was ABC. I mean, which is as you know old school TV as you can get, right? Um, but the video work, you know, and The Verge certainly raised the bar on the quality of that. And you were there at the outset, you know, w- when they started that. But they they really raised the bar on the quality of the video work that that went along with. Print, or not print, but written stuff that was, you know, detailed and as long as it ever was. But there's this incredible convergence going on, and I feel like I'm I'm left behind on that.
1: Well, you, you can put video on your site.
0: I could. I don't know. I guess I'm making up for it with podcasts.
1: Right. Yeah, I mean... You know, and and it's not something I feel like I have figured out and every week I'm trying to try new things, though there's, you know, obviously restrictions on time and, you know, how long people will watch a video for and what kind of things are more visual than what you can put into print. I mean, it's I don't think anyone's really mastered it yet, um, but it's a fun time to play around with it for sure. Um, and they're letting me do some fun stuff. So I'm, I'm OK yeah. with it.
0: Well, and the production value is just excellent. I mean, it doesn't seem like oh, here's newspaper people doing video. It's you know top tier. This this could be on any TV broadcast quality video
1: yeah my my producer um drew evans who will never listen to this because he well maybe he will maybe we'll get him to listen to this i'm trying to get him on twitter um but he's he's amazing he's he's really really good
0: he's um, right there's no you know no compromise no well we're just doing a video as an extra type thing it's you know we expect this to be as excellent as the writing which you know in the wall street journal has always been known for uh you know you know no holds barred excellent writing quality
1: yeah i mean he's he's amazing and i mean it's it's fun to be able to have a producer and the a producer with skills that can actually kind of just make certain things happen which is really cool too
0: um yeah so well keep up the good work thank Uh, you very much wsjd.com and uh i hopefully i'll see you in a couple weeks
1: you mean for for my big day which is the iPhone launch, right? Yeah,
0: exactly, the most important thing going right. on for you in September. Right. And then
1: followed by the launch of the Square Blackberry.
0: Exactly. Right. God, I hope you have one of those with you.
1: Oh, that would be amazing. Oh my god. Or maybe I'll just turn down, you know, I don't know if I'll be invited to the Apple event, but if I am invited, you know, maybe I'll have to turn it down if there's a Blackberry event that day.
0: <laughs> yeah that would be that would be just like Blackberry to schedule it on the same day.
1: Oh totally. Totally.